electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Jamie Valesia is a billboard lawyer, Texas style. Go with a winning team. He's got cowboy outfits. A silly nickname. Hi, I'm Jamie Valesia. The DWI do. And outrageous marketing stunts. Two and a half drinks says I should be drunk. Cheap day. You'll never get to jail that way. Malaysia is well known as the DWI dude, representing clients accused of drunk driving. He even runs for attorney general on a pro-marijuana platform. Give me the stoners every day of the week. But the feds say this cowboy lawyer is a criminal who runs a clever con targeting his clients. The insinuation was people would be paid off, but a lot of money apparently was needed for these bribes. Things get dicey when Malaysia targets, of all people, international drug cartels. It tells me he had a set on him. And steps inside a prison in Colombia. It's a very bad place. American Greed has an exclusive interview with the prosecutor who led a blockbuster narco case. His greed obstructed justice. And notes from the dude himself who tells American Greed, what a dummy I was. You cannot scam the cartel without them finding out. In March of 2016, a highly unusual case lands on the desk of FBI Special Agent Jason Rennie. Inside a FedEx box sent from Colombia is a hidden camera video. It purports to be evidence of a bribery scheme involving U.S. officials. The very beginning of the recording, you can see that the room that they're in is being set up. There's cameras that are being put in. It's very apparent that the room is being set up to be recorded. But the man recording the video is not a cop. He's a drug kingpin, facing extradition to the United States and the possibility of many years in prison. This room that looks like a hotel is actually his jail cell in Bogota, Colombia. Together with his brother, they produced more cocaine than anyone else in the world. During the, the scope of the investigation, uh, they produced and put into commerce between 750,000 and a million kilos of cocaine. In the video, the cartel boss is meeting with his legal team, including his American lawyer, Jamie Malaysia. The feds allege the lawyers have taken seven figures in cash from the cartel promising to act as brokers of a bribe. They say they can pay off American judges, prosecutors, and DEA agents. He had hired Jamie Belasia on the promise that the, ch the charges in the United States would go away 
we have people in the United States that can make your charges disappear, essentially go away. And in return for that, uh, he paid them, the original number was $1.5 million. He wants to know exactly what had happened since the beginning when he paid the money. It gets even stranger. Malaysia is not some high-flying international lawyer, the kind who represents people like Pablo Escobar and El Chapo Guzman. Far from it. Back home in Austin, Texas, Malaysia is a billboard lawyer with goofy ads known as the DWI Dude. I'm Jamie Malaysia, the DWI Dude. If stopped for DWI, never surrender your rights. You don't wander into these waters and, and, and just do this like, hey, I just decide I want to go work high-level extradition cases. You're going to want the best at your side. Malaysia, just from his lack of experience with the fish out of water, but they really played up his connections in Texas. But are the connections a con? The drug kingpin apparently has recorded this meeting because he thinks Malaysia has stolen his bribe money. Agent Rennie's first thought is, play me a sad song on the world's smallest violin. You might have a jury sympathy problem, right? Nonetheless, the allegations related to public corruption, uh, the FBI takes seriously. Is Jamie Malaysia a criminal mastermind with corrupt judges in his pocket? Or is he running a scam on an unsympathetic yet very dangerous victim? Katie Vine is the executive editor of Texas Monthly. It seemed so outrageous um, that somebody would attempt to pull something over on some of the top cocaine producers in Colombia. <laughs> Don't want to screw over someone who's got um, the resources um, that these guys have. Jamie Malaysia has always been fearless. He starts his career on the other side as a cop, banging down doors. Sex for hire, gambling, pornography. This is the beat for the Austin Vice detail. In 1986, he joins the Austin Police Department's Vice Squad, targeting prostitution. Gene Frydenberg is his boss. Especially to get your ass put in jail, do you understand that? Nearby, the hooker's nightmare, Vice Squad Senior Sergeant Gene Frydenberg. They're just gonna have to clean up their act and we just wish they'd go somewhere else and do it. They would be seven, eight, 10 of them on a street corner. They would use businesses' parking lots to conduct their business. Frydenberg says Malaysia, seen here on plain clothes duty, is a well-liked and valuable member of the team, though he definitely likes to have a good time. You know, a lot of those guys would get paid on Friday and have a big weekend, come in broke on Monday, live on the credit union for the other 10 days. <laughs> sure, there's a yellow flag or two, but nothing red. That is, until one Sunday morning. We got a call from DEA and said that one of our undercover cars had been seen in Houston at a drug dealer's house. Who do you think's driving this BMW? And I said, hell, I know who's driving it. And that was when Jamie's name came up. Turns out, Malaysia hasn't been keeping his nose clean. He said something about, well, they went down to get an eight ball to party with. Malaysia goes away to rehab, and when he returns to the PD, he's been demoted. He's now a glorified parking lot attendant, checking impounded cars in and out of a lot. It's a blow to your ego 
you know, to everybody's looking, you know, hey, look what he's doing now, you know. Frydenberg visits his protege, crushed by boredom, who asks, what should I do? And I said, well, if you enjoy checking cars in and out for the next 30 years, I would stay here. But if you don't want to do that, then you need to find something else. And that's when he said, well, I've been thinking about law school. A few years later, Malaysia is a defense attorney. And in a college town with a lively bar scene, there's no shortage of people accused of drunk driving. So Malaysia decides to specialize in DWI. There's just one problem. Those in need of his services often have trouble remembering his name. People couldn't spell Jamie Belasia to get me in a Google search, so I had to find some way to get that marketing out there. And and uh, I was one day I was doodling, and I was kept writing down DWI, DWI, and one of my best friends calls me and says, hey, dude, he always called me Dude. That was his name for me. And I went, DWI Dude. Hi, I'm Jamie Belasia, the DWI Dude. Stacy O'Brien is a former colleague of Jamie Belasia. He's very creative, and he just decided, DWI dude, I'm going to be the DWI dude. What should I do if I get pulled over for DWI? And that's when it all changed. We like to tell people when you get pulled over by the police, it's best to know what to do at that point. Instead of business cards, Malaysia passes out poker chips and koozies, even in the courtroom. He'd be handing out the poker chips, pens, and the judge would be like, Mr. Belasia, you know, you need to take it down a notch, but he would just keep doing it. Business takes off. From his law office in the small town of Maynard, east of Austin, Belasia takes on hundreds of DWI cases. And his promise to get defendants off on charges isn't just a flashy sales tactic. Belasia is winning cases created this niche for himself with DWI cases. I mean, he kind of portrayed himself as kind of like a man of the people. You know, he was here um, to protect your rights, try to get these BS charges dropped. Refuse the breath test. If they get a blood search warrant, we can attack it in court. He apparently was very successful. His success in the courtroom spurs him to expand into San Antonio, where he opens a second office. The outrageous marketing continues. Malaysia drives vehicles emblazoned with the DWI dude phone number. I was an undercover officer with the Austin Police Department for a number of years. He creates instructional YouTube videos like these. If you begin the test before they tell you to start, that counts as a clue against you. And he sponsors events at local bars. We're here with Jamie, the DWI dude. He would go to bars in San Antonio and take that machine and hook it up. Go ahead and blow. And we would just let people blow in it. And they just think that's the funnest thing. Two and a half drinks says I should be drunk. Yeah, it's a cheap day. Then he would say, well, I was an ex-cop and I used to arrest DWIs. Cops love to tell you, keep blowing, keep blowing, keep blowing. Push that number over in LA. Back in our day, we would just throw them out the, you know, the cop car in their front yard and and he's like, things aren't like that anymore. And that's like how he would start things. Mike there is a, uh, used to be a state patrolman. I'm a former police officer. Dave's a former police officer. So 
You know, our friends and family members are cops. So I think that had a lot to do with why people liked him. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate every single person who came here. Sometimes he would sponsor events. He would ask people to put his phone number into their phone. We always tell people to put the number to our office in their cell phone so you can call us instantly. And I get calls on my phone from people that are being pulled over. And then they would scroll through their contacts and see that they had already saved it right there under dude. <laughs> In short, his message is, I'm a miracle worker and I'll get you out of a jam. His overall attitude was, I'm your man. I can take care of this. I got you. Anthony Felsing is battling alcohol addiction when he hires Belasia. At the time, I was new into AA. You know, to me, it was almost like someone that I can look up to and talk to because I was fresh in this program working through the steps. Jamie had been an alcoholic and he admits that. And so when he had clients who had real substance abuse issues, he could um, identify with that. And he would talk to them as somebody who'd been there and he didn't judge it. You know, his story was, I was a bad cop. I had a bad drug addiction. I cleaned myself up. You believed in what he was saying. Before he entered recovery, Felsing was charged with his third DWI and is now looking at up to 12 years in prison. I knew I was facing a uphill battle. He guaranteed me that he could get this taken away. It would go away. I might get probation at the most. Felsing believes him. After all, Malaysia has been successful in many other DWI cases. When he meets with Malaysia to discuss his case, Felsing finds that the dude's courtroom strategy might be more than his ads presented to be. And as he stated, we're going to make campaign contributions. He was tied in with the local judge. Yeah, I do this all the time. And he did know a lot of people, and he did have a lot of friends, but it's irresponsible and unethical to, to, to suggest that your connections to judges or lawyers or friends or anything will influence anything in anybody's case. Though Malaysia never says the word bribe, that's what Felsing hears. And I knew what he was saying. You know, I think everyone in the room knew what he was saying. And with the prospect of 12 years behind bars, he is willing to go along with Belasia's supposed plan. He makes his first of several payments for $5,000, which he understands will not fund painstaking legal work so much as fat envelopes. Naturally, I'm thinking, thank God, I might get probation. So I went ahead and paid him. And it was almost as if they were like, okay, we threw the hook out there and this guy took it. How does Jamie Belasia go from driving an RV around Austin to arranging bribes for cocaine kingpins? FBI agent Jason Rennie learns that Belasia is not just the DWI dude, he's added another nickname, the 420 dude. He was also the big kind of uh, advocate of legalizing marijuana. Belasia even runs for attorney general of Texas on a pro-legalization platform. I gotta tell you, as a police officer, when I pulled over people who were stoned or dealt with people who were smoking weed, as opposed to people on alcohol, give me the stoners every day of the week. 
But what can he gain from being the Libertarian Party's candidate? Oh, he got, I don't know, like 700 votes, and he was excited. <laughs> excited because in his mind, he's won. He thought running also, again, is, is a marketing. You know, more people would see him. He'd be in front of everybody, so he would get more drug-type cases. More drug-type cases. He's about to catch a very big one indeed. In the fall of 2014, Malaysia takes an introductory phone call with Ernest Gonzalez, a federal prosecutor who helped bring down the Zeta cartel. Because of threats to his life, he rarely speaks publicly. But he has given an exclusive interview to American Greed about his blockbuster cocaine trafficking case, one of the biggest in U.S. history. In total, we indicted 167 individuals uh, in the U.S. and Central America and South America. Jamie Malaysia has been hired as defense attorney for a couple of the men at the top of Gonzalez's 167-man pyramid. He schedules an off-the-record chat with the prosecutor. Eventually, he reached out to me, contacted me, told me who he was. I would hear his advertisements on the radio. That's the most I, I knew about him. He was going to go to Colombia to visit with his client. And uh, what is it that I, I was wanting from his client? Told him that uh, we wanted his cooperation. Malaysia learns that Gonzalez's case took years to build, and it's all based on trading information. In 2010, it started simple enough. There was a seizure of 10 kilos of cocaine and 515 pounds of marijuana from a defendant here in the Dallas area. That defendant agrees to cooperate, and that's how the case goes, persuading small players to give up the bigger players, climbing the ladder one rung at a time. Uh, the individual showed up with $1.7 million, and that's what $1.7 million looks like. Gonzalez's team traces the flow of cocaine from the U.S. through the Zeta cartel in Mexico, and ultimately all the way to the source, cocaine super labs hidden deep in the jungles of Colombia, run by two brothers, Aldemar and Segundo Villota Segura. Segundo is one of Malaysia's new clients. Aldemar and Segundo Villota Segura were operating the largest working cocaine laboratory in the world. I think we estimated that in a year's time, it was 60,000 kilos of cocaine. We estimated that it was $1.5 billion. At first, Segundo Segura agrees to cooperate. He provides information about the location of labs, and the Fed sees airplanes and boats. But then he stops cooperating for some reason. Because he stopped cooperating, we then execute the order to arrest. He's arrested, and he's taken to La Picota. With the charges he's facing, it would take a miracle worker to help escape extradition. So why has Segundo Segura suddenly gone silent? The government says Segura believes he has a get-out-of-jail-free card in his back pocket in the form of Jamie Belasia. Belasia is introduced to the cartel through this man, a private investigator named Chuck Morgan. Morgan lives in both Florida and Colombia, and the government says he was once an informant for the DEA. It sounds like he had a very colorful past, working with the CIA, working with the DEA. And during the trial, there was photographs 
of him with uh, Colombian uh, government officials, wore a big cowboy hat and uh, big white beard. Um, he was quite a character. Over margaritas and coffee for the dude, the feds allege that the Colombian-connected Morgan puts Belasia in touch with Segundo Segura, who was looking for an American lawyer with friends in high places, people who can grease the wheels of justice. The insinuation was people would be paid off in Washington, D.C. Then the case would disappear. But a lot of money apparently was needed uh, for these bribes. Agent Rennie is curious. Has Belasia made similar promises before? Did he swim into the deep end? Did he make a mistake? Did he get over his head? Does he have a personal issue that put him in this situation that he needed money? Was he desperate? Or is this a pattern? Another Belasia client, DWI defendant Anthony Felsing, has waited more than a year and given approximately $50,000 to the lawyer. And he still has a long prison sentence hanging over his head. But Felsing says Belasia claims he's got an ace in the hole, a crooked judge he refers to simply as Jack. You know, Jamie, what's what's going on with the case? How are things going? Oh, me and Jack got it worked out. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know, I was in Jack's chambers the other day, and uh, we were talking about your case, and don't, don't worry about it. Just keep making your payments, and everything will be good. But instead of salvation, he gets more bad news. Once I, all my money was paid off, then it was, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get you that deal. It's probably going to take more money. Malaysia's got to go. Anthony Felsing's thousands are suddenly unimportant when Malaysia has millions on the line. A big tuna named Segura down in Bogota. This was something different, and, and it sounded like a great adventure. I think that was as much, honestly, as, as the greed part of it. Uh, it sounded <laughs> exciting. DWI law has been good to Jamie Belasia. The lawyer lives like a gentleman farmer on 161 acres with a herd of burros. He apparently was very successful. His firm netted like millions of dollars every year. He's got it made in the shade, but he's not content to rest there. He's got an itch to take on a really big case, defending cocaine kingpin Segundo Segura. It's a very specialized area involving extradition law, um, you know, the laws of Colombia. He was way out of his depth. It didn't appear that he knew uh, exactly how this worked. The assistant U.S. attorney prosecuting the Segura case, Ernest Gonzalez, says he tries to warn Malaysia about the pitfalls of international drug cases. For example, any money a defense attorney accepts from clients has to be clean. It can't be from the proceeds of drug sales. He kept indicating, I understand. I'll comply with whatever. I understand what I'm getting into. So we left it at that. He's the dude. He is the DWI dude. Furthermore, Segundo Segura is on the OFAC list, the Office of Foreign Assets Control. It's a rogues gallery of enemies of the United States. Uh, El Chapo, Guzman was put on that list. Vladimir Putin was put on that list after, you know, the uh, invasion of the Ukraine. They're cut off from the U.S. financial system. Despite Gonzalez's warnings, Belasia proceeds with the case, seemingly convinced that his magic touch 
will work as well in international law as it does in Texas. But Malaysia's cartel clients are not happy. That's obvious to FBI Special Agent Rennie when he first looks at the undercover video. Mr. Malaysia in the video was not comfortable being there. You could just see his mannerisms. I used the analogy cat on a hot tin roof. When he walked in the room, he was looking around. At one point, he's looking at the camera. Rennie is well aware of the absurdity of the situation. Segundo Segura, one of the world's biggest criminals, setting up a sting as though he's the Colombian equivalent of the FBI. But it's clear that he had paid them for a service and they had not provided the service. So Segundo was taking it into his own hands to historically uh, record what had occurred previously and then take them to task for things that hadn't been done. And, and that was clearly the purpose of the recording. And it was very well done. And, but I think that's okay now. I think everything is going to be fine. Using a translator, Segura is meeting with three people. His Colombian attorney, Bibiana Correa, the go-between, the man with a foot in both North and South America, Chuck Morgan, and his U.S. attorney, Malaysia. The meeting starts. Tell me what you've done with the money. Did you get the money? He asked before, did you get the one million and a half, the, the, the first payment that they made? Yes, everybody acknowledges this is how much we got. This is what we did with it. I got paid. Yes, I got, I got the payments every time that I was supposed to get them. It seems all parties agree that the team of Belasia, Morgan, and Correa received $1.5 million on the promise to bribe U.S. officials and stop Segura's extradition. In a handwritten letter to American Greed, Belasia says the promise of bribes was all Bibi Correa's idea, and he was blindsided. When I heard bribery being mentioned in the meeting, I thought, what the heck is this about? Rennie doesn't buy it. If he's sitting and Charles Morgan, Mr. Morgan says, I paid people in Washington, D.C. with the money you gave me. If you're sitting there, you're hearing that in English. He's sitting right next to him. Mr. Morgan makes another comment. It gets very, very messy, and you know that. The lawyer has to stay very, very clean. Mr. Bellagia says, we have it arranged this way so I can close my ears if I need to, and it protects all of us. It gives me the ability to close my ears sometimes if I need to. Mm -hmm. And it protects okay. all of us. All of that leads to the fact that Mr. Belasia would not be making those comments if he didn't A, know what was going on, and B, know it was illegal. But Rennie needs to know if Belasia and company followed through on their promise. You know, is this, is there anything going on corruption-wise, or is it the opposite? Is it they're promising the world that's the shtick, that's what they're using to get the clients, and then they're just, it's just essentially a fraud case, right? They're just lying to them. FBI Special Agent Jason Rennie is trying to solve a mystery. Is Jamie Belasia actually a power broker with crooked judges in his pocket? Rennie subpoenas Belasia's bank records and follows the money. He sees suspicious activity in one of Belasia's personal bank accounts, an account that had been dormant. It didn't have any direct deposits going to it. I think it had a deposit every so often, but it had some recurring like withdrawals, like a gym membership and something else, but it was nothing. 
Nothing until he signed on with the cartel. And then there's a massive influx of more than $400,000. It was done in cash, and it was done at a very rapid rate. The interesting thing was, none of the money that was deposited was deposited in the state of Texas. It was deposited multiple states, I think up to nine states. Many of the deposits are in New York City. It's like somebody was walking down the street, they deposited some in this ATM, walked six blocks, another ATM. Concurrent with that, there's a walk-in cash deposit in Florida or Connecticut or Los Angeles. or So it's very clear that there was an organization that was just putting money into this bank account. Segunda Segura appears to be going to extraordinary lengths to make sure each payment to Malaysia is under the $10,000 federal reporting limit. Malaysia could have been paid legally if he had applied for an OFAC license like Ernest Gonzalez warned him. But the dude did not abide. And there were signs that uh, Jamie Malaysia was in over his head. In his letter to American Greed, Malaysia writes, what a dummy I was. Once Malaysia received the money, where did it go? Agent Rennie finds no evidence that judges, prosecutors, or DEA agents have been paid off. Malaysia's promises of campaign contributions and connections with federal judges appear to have been a complete fabrication. There was zero information, zero credibility to any of that. The, the, this sort of shakedown actually turns out to be quite common in Colombia. Um, there are a lot of dirty lawyers there um, who take advantage of these guys because they're sitting on uh, millions of dollars and they're desperate. The Vialto Seguros may have seen this as the cost of doing business. If it can get me out of a jam like it does here in Colombia, why not let me try this? It can be risky. In fact, some Colombian attorneys have um, paid with their lives. But Malaysia may be whistling past the graveyard because he's made a habit of screwing over people with far fewer resources. Like Segundo Segura, Anthony Felsing is desperate. Unlike Segura, he's not sitting on millions. He's already given Malaysia about $50,000 while Malaysia dangles the promise of avoiding jail. But now, Felsing is out of money. One afternoon, Malaysia suggests they go out to lunch. After plowing through his enchiladas, Felsing says Malaysia lowers the boom. I got some bad news for you. And I'm like, what? He said, well, I'm not going to be able to get you the deal with Jack, so you probably just need to go ahead and take the 12-year offer. And I think that I was in shock because I just remember my whole body just getting cold and went numb because I was like, I'm going back to prison. I've just given this guy all this money, done everything he's asked me to do, and I'm going back to prison. I mean, I, the first thing I think of was my kids. Like, what about my kids, you know? And um, I'll never forget it. And I was just, you know, I was numb. I was just sitting there and he just got up and left and just threw the check at me and said, why don't you take care of my bill for lunch? It's the last time I saw him until the day I testified against him in court. You know, you pick your victims, right? It's, it's predatory. These are people that are, you know, if they do say anything, 
that can easily be swept away with, how do you believe them? They're bad people. They're not like me. Sold Mr. Felsing a bill of goods. He lied and took his money. He sold Segundo our bill of goods. He lied to them and took their money. It's the same thing. Really believes the only difference is the number of zeros in Belize's paycheck. Ultimately, I think it was just greed. I think it was, I can make a lot of money in a short period of time for doing little or no work. The feds still want to strengthen their case and catch Malaysia in the act on U.S. soil. That video and all that's great, but the issue for us is that video and those statements occurred in a foreign country. Agent Rennie wants to set up his own hidden camera. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. The undercover video from Bogota is telling, but Agent Rennie wants to see if Jamie Belasia will commit a crime on U.S. soil. He's got a plan, and he's in luck. We might have something here. We have somebody that's sitting in our district right now. Segunda Segura's brother, Aldemar, is in a jail near Dallas. When Segunda was arrested in Bogota, Aldemar happened to be in Miami. He was arrested and brought to Texas. Rennie meets with Aldemar, who agrees to pretend that he wants to bribe U.S. judges, too. He gets on a jail phone and dials the dude. He made the call, and if they could have jumped on a jet, they, they couldn't get here quick enough. Rennie quickly enlists a fellow FBI agent to go undercover, acting as the cartel's accountant. She asks Belasia, seated at the far end of the table next to his paralegal, and Chuck Morgan on the right, what the cartel will get for $1.2 million. Morgan responds that he'll take Washington officials out for a Sunday. Maybe, maybe an extra scoop of ice cream on, on a Sunday. Belasia's answer to the what will we get question is a little more subtle than scoops of ice cream. I can twist the government's arm a little bit on issues like that. Fresh Well, yeah, to make and to back off, well, they need to be nice to us instead of all the time us having to be nice to them. It's a two-way street. We need him to hear something that is either going to make him say, I don't know what you're talking about, I'm out of here, or if he hears it and he stays, then we know, okay, he has knowledge and intent, right? Agent Rennie says Malaysia clearly breaks the law when the undercover flashes a bright neon sign about where her money comes from. The money that you're going to receive is the proceeds of narcotics trafficking. Are you okay with that? And Mr. Malaysia says, that's okay. I have paperwork I have to fill out. That's on me. No problem. Have you just made concerted that you're aware that the money comes from this business, which is obviously from Tom? And he just wants to make sure that you guys are not in trouble, I guess. But I don't think I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. 
Malaysia does not have a license to represent international drug dealers, but even if he did, he still can't accept the money that he knows is derived directly from drug dealing. But when I told the prosecutor, she said, okay, well, that's we, if, if he didn't get up and run out of the, the room after that, we've, we've got what we need. Meetings are set up in parking lots. The FBI undercover gives Chuck Morgan $300,000 in a bag. That's all the feds need. Chuck Morgan and Jamie Belasia are arrested. Though it's been decades, this is the second time Belasia's gotten in trouble involving cocaine. And this time around, it's a whole different ballgame. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Chuck Morgan and Bibiana Correa plead guilty to federal charges, including money laundering and obstruction of justice. That leaves federal court reporter Kevin Krauss wondering, will their alleged co-conspirator Jamie Belasia take a deal too? Roughly 97% of federal cases end in plea deals. Um, trials are very rare, and there's a reason. And that is because the government's conviction rate is incredibly high. But Belasia believes he's going to beat the odds. We like to tell people when you get pulled over by the police, it's best to know what to do at that point. He knew how to talk to a jury. He knew, he knew how to you know, create doubt in their minds. And he had a huge ego. You can't make a smarter decision than to call my office. At one level, the trial seems to answer, who is Jamie Belasia? Criminal mastermind? I can twist the government's arm a little bit. Or fool. You'll never get to jail that way. His defense attorneys in trial described him, I think, as a hillbilly and driving a Scooby-Doo van. You do kind of think, well, maybe it, maybe he <laughs> just didn't know what he was doing and was moving too fast and not thinking it's possible. Um, you put the puzzle pieces together and it's less possible. Any white-collar crime case is about following the money. In addition to the cash deposits made by many people all over the country, Malaysia admits on the stand that he or his employees did at least four cash pickups in parking lots near Houston totaling over $200,000. The prosecutor says Belasia knew this was drug money, and he wasn't authorized to represent drug kingpins. And what's more, the government takes a dim view of lawyers suggesting American courts are for sale. We have a real problem with that. I wasn't corruptible, the judge wasn't corruptible, and the agent wasn't corruptible, and it just wasn't going to happen. That in that way man, cheapens the profession. Ernest Gonzalez's case was all about cooperation, striking deals, moving up the ladder. 
Even the big fish, Segundo Segura, was cooperating until he suddenly went quiet after hearing the promises of Belasia. He obstructed justice. His greed denied us the opportunity to advance our investigation, so we weren't able to stop those shipments of cocaine. We weren't able to stop those acts of violence. So who is Belasia? A champion of the downtrodden? If you really knew him and he knew the heart that he had, it, it's hard to believe that what they're saying that he did, he did knowingly. Or a cynic who pimps justice and exploits his clients. Agent Rennie, who was in the courtroom, points to one turning point when Anthony Felsing takes the stand. And I'm going back to prison. And this is a, a rugged guy, you know, and he was like driven to tears just talking about it. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I mean, I, the first thing I think of was my kids. And he goes, at that moment, he takes the check and he tosses it at me and he goes, and take care of that check while you're at it. And he walks out. And I'm sitting and I kind of turn and look at the jury. You can feel the tide turn. After deliberating for a day and a half, the jury comes back. Guilty on five counts in the Seguro case, including money laundering, obstruction, and violating the Kingpin Act. Malaysia writes to American Greed, I might have been distracted by the potential for huge future fees in other Columbia cases, but I did not intentionally commit the crimes I was found guilty of. Bibiana Correa, who pleads guilty, is sentenced to seven years in prison. Chuck Morgan, now suffering from Alzheimer's, gets six years. Jamie Belasia gets just under 16 years in Big Spring Prison in West Texas. This is what defense attorneys call the trial penalty. Had he decided to plead guilty, he probably would have gotten less. Uh, but he rolled the dice and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a significant sentence. For at least 16 years, fans of campy lawyer ads will have to wait. Go with a winning team. There will be no more YouTube videos. Schedule a free appointment to come in and see me. No more driving the RV around Austin. No more runs for attorney general. But maybe Malaysia is fortunate that Segundo Segura called the cops. You cannot scam the cartel without them finding out. And he's probably lucky that the feds got him before somebody else got him. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.